Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. So we're going to move to message number four in the Be Like Jesus series. So this will be the fourth time that we read um, where Jesus will say happy or blessed. Same word, happy and blessed is the same word um, in this passage. I've mentioned this several times. Matthew chapter 5 is the, what we're looking at in the Be Like Jesus series is the first section of the first sermon that Jesus ever preached. And one of the things that Jesus is focusing on is our, not just our spiritual well-being, but our mental and emotional well-being. So he starts with a mini mental health series that has deep and powerful implications. But what I want to do for the sake of trying to really connect with the moment is I want to ask you a question. Have you ever gone food shopping when you were really, really hungry? I know when you go food shopping and you feel like you're starving, when you get home, there's like six extra bags of stuff that you didn't even have on your list. There's cookies, there's, there's chips, there's, there's, there's extra meat, there's extra this, there's all kinds of things are just packed into your car and you're like, what happened? When you, when you, when you pay the bill, you're like, oh my goodness, what happened? What happened is that you were hungry. Do you know that scientists have uh, found that we buy more even non-food items like, like plastic clips when we're hungry? There are dozens of studies about this. Look at this study done uh, by someone at the University of Minnesota. Hunger makes us want to eat, which means that we think about seeking acquiring and consuming food. Those acquisition-related thoughts, which is a key point for today, acquisition-related thoughts may spill over and put consumers in the mode of getting more stuff in general, even stuff they can't eat. Does anybody relate to this? Come on, tell the truth, right? There's something inside of us when we're feeling hungry that makes us just want to acquire. We get filled with these acquisition-related thoughts. Now, here's the problem with today's message. The challenge is, is that this example falls so short of what I'm just going to read Jesus saying. Because... This example is speaking to what I call snack hunger. So, for example, I don't know about you, um, maybe you disciplined uber spiritual people have never done this before, but I've been so hungry at the supermarket that I'll take a snack and open it on the spot <laughs> and just start eating it. You know, and then when I get to the thing, I crawl up, and as long as they had the barcode is there, it's all good. <laughs> I just start eating right on the spot. I got to eat. I'm starving, you know. 
And, um, but that's snack hunger. That's not real hunger. In our country, we don't understand real hunger. So let's, let's read this now, but I want you to think about it in Palestine. I want you to think about it in a place where there's no tap water. We go to the water. You want some water? There you go. Turn on the tap. It's right there. You know, oh, I, I don't like New Jersey water, but Chicago has great water. New York has the best water. You know, we have water in America. It's like nothing. Meanwhile, water in different parts of the world is everything. We're talking about Jesus speaking to people that for them, water was everything. Not go to the fountain. You understand? So now we're going to read. And you understand, what we need to do is take this in, understanding that Jesus is talking about something deep. Okay, something really deep. We'll read again. Good news and then the NIV, Matthew chapter 5. Says, happy are those whose greatest desire, which speaks to hunger, is to do what God requires. God will satisfy them fully. The, the more traditional way to say this, the SV would be closer would say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Everybody say, hunger and thirst. But remember, not like we hunger and thirst. So if we're going to receive the word of God correctly, you got to let the word of God really challenge you today. Okay? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not food, not success, not the things of this world, not our dreams, Not our passions. Blessed, which means happy. Oh, how happy. Oh, how emotionally blessed and strong are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. And he's talking about deep hunger. And when he's talking about hunger... One of the things I want you to know is he's also saying this. They understood this. We don't. He's also saying they didn't just want to sip. They didn't just want to bite. They wanted the whole loaf. They wanted all of it. So what he's saying is happy are those who hunger and thirst for all of righteousness. Not just a little church. Not just a little Jesus. Not just a little bit of exposure once a week. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after all of the kingdom of God. For they will be filled. So here's one more time where there's this incredible opposite. Happy are the lacking. Happy are the tamed. Now, he's saying, happy are the starving. That's the title of my message today, Happier the Starving. And I want to pray and ask the Lord, I, you know, I, I was crying, you know, you guys know I'm a crybaby, but I was crying I, I, at five in the morning, taking a shower, I was crying over this moment because um, of how important this is. I was, in the, I was in the shower just saying, God, you know, 
Um, uh, everyone defines success differently, right? But for us pastors, this message is the essence, the epitome of, of let's call it success, of us having the right kind of church. It's, it's this right here. If you could get this right here, right? If you could just be hungry for God. If we could be the kind of church that's really, really hungry for God, then we know that we would please God. Our appetite for God is everything. And Jesus is saying here, Jesus is saying some powerful things. I need to, let me say a couple of things before we pray. He's saying your appetite makes all the difference. You know, I was thinking about this last week. Why would the president of a university, he came visited our church last week, president of a university, NCU, come to the altar, reach out to God, and have all kinds of people laying hands on him and praying over him. He's got a PhD. He's already, he's, he's, he's like, you know, I happen to know Scott Hagen personally. He was like hanging out with the president of Harvard uh, last year. I mean, this guy is like at the peak of, of his career, of all of this, and yet he comes to a church service. He comes to the altar just like everyone else. Why would he do that? You know why? Hunger. We had the, the dean of, of uh, preaching at Moody has come to our prayer meetings. Why would that guy who's a prince of preachers, uh, a superior intellect, uh, uh, so gifted, so capable, like what would we have to teach him? Why? Thirst. Pastor Durso, uh, who's like a, a grandpa, he and Maria are like grandma and grandpa to our church. Why? What is it? He's like the best example. He comes to church, and it's, we're, we're about to walk in. He's like, we got to get into service. We got in, and then he's there. And how many services has Pastor Durso been in? He's 70 years old. He's been in ministry 40 years. How many services? How many Sundays? And he's crying his heart out and praising his hands. Why would he do something like that? Hunger. Hunger, that's why. It's because he's hungry for God. What we're talking about today speaks to the fact that there are men and women who are still hungry for God. Hunger has nothing to do with your age. It has nothing to do with your personality. It has nothing to do with your cultural background. Hunger has everything to do with our hearts. And here's the truth. I, you know, if you're a first-time visitor here, this is like... I'm so happy you're here, but this is also a very direct message to the church, okay? Here's the truth of the matter. If you look at all of the Bible, if you're not hungry, you're probably complacent. If you're not hungry today, you, you're probably lukewarm. If you're not hungry today, you've probably lost your first love. But Jesus wants to restore our first love. How many, how many want Jesus to be the center of their life? So let me pray. Let's pray together. Put your hand on your heart. God, Lord, we don't just want church. We want you, Lord Jesus. 
We don't want religion. We want relationship. God, would you come by your mighty power and speak to us? And God, do us a favor. Give us a gift today. Give us the gift of hunger and thirst for righteousness, Lord. Give us an appetite for the things that count and deliver us from the things that are meaningless. Bless this word. Bless our time. This is the key to true happiness. This is the key to true blessedness. Bless this word, God. Let every word, Lord, that comes out of my mouth come from your heart. And let it be received by your people, Lord. Whether they're online, in an office, Lord, or at home, in their kitchen. Lord, even in the days ahead or in this room, Lord, help us to receive it from you. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hunger is a very deep and powerful spiritual principle. Jesus is saying our appetite determines the quality and the depth of our happiness and blessing. Your appetite can lead to deep satisfaction and contentment or actually it can lead you to become immoral. And unspiritual. Hebrews chapter 12 says this Let no one become immoral or unspiritual like Esau, who for a single meal sold his rights as the older son. When we're hungry for the wrong thing, we give away precious things. When we are so hungry, for things that are not of God, we don't realize how much we are forfeiting. You forfeit God's best when you pursue all of the stuff that will not deliver and will not satisfy. Oh, how happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so we have to understand today, one of the reasons some people are so unhappy is because they have so many appetites for all the wrong things. Our mental health is impacted by what we are pursuing. Sometimes we don't get better because we want the blessing of God, but we keep hungering after things that are not of God. Meanwhile, just know this. If anybody wants you to be happy, Jesus wants you to be happy. And you can be going through some really hard things and still be happy in Jesus. What is hunger? Hunger means to avidly desire something as necessary for life. So remember... Back in the day, I mean, it's still true today, but we take it for granted because of the abundance. Food and water was necessary for life. You know, food and water, necessary for life. We have access to it all the time. We go get bottled water. We get this kind of water and that kind of water. But, but we don't understand. Back in the day, Jesus was saying, oh, my goodness, 
there's something even more necessary to you than water. This is deep. This is powerful. We're not talking about luxuries. We're talking about necessity. Hunger means, listen, hunger means that it means to suffer from a lack of nourishment or to be famished, to have a strong desire for something with the deep awareness of its lack. What are you hungry for today? Is there room for God in your dreams and desires? See, some people, Christianity in a lot of places, and, and everybody said, go ahead and preach it. Go ahead. Give me permission today to be very direct. Because I got to be direct today. See, some people, they want the blessing and protection of God to surround their life and to surround and support their plans. But that's not hunger for God. Hunger for God means that you want God's will, God's way, God's purpose, God's everything for your life. If hunger means that you choose God's dream for your life over your dream for your life. Hunger means that when God calls you, you answer. See, think about this. You know, there are stats, and I've been saying this, and I'm praying for our church. There are stats. Less people are going into the ministry. Why, if more people need Jesus than ever before, why are less people going into the ministry? It's because we're not hungering for the will of God. There are people in this room that are called by the Most High God to do the will of God, to fulfill the plan of God. Yes, put your hands together, clap, and say, yes, we need to answer the call of God. And don't try to design it for God. We like try to design and tell God what the call of God should look like or who qualifies or who doesn't. God calls who he calls. If you're called, stop running. Because that's just the way it is. Here's the truth. The greatest men and women of God, they panted after God like a deer pants after water. As the deer pants for water, David said, so my soul longs after thee. Not perfect. No one is perfect. But God loves when we long for him. He just loves when we have a heart after him. So what I want to do is I want to unpack this issue which is often very uncomfortable. See, it's crazy. The reason why this is an opposite, and I have to say this, and then I go, it, this is really a one-point message with another application, but the thing about hunger is that hunger makes you uncomfortable. So it's weird because hunger for God makes you uncomfortable or almost hangry in the same way. It's like frustrating. Sometimes when you're really hungry for God, hungry for God, you're frustrated. You, you, you're like, I don't like me. But not in a, I'm putting myself down, but in a, in a sense that I just want more of Jesus shining through me. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be godlier, Lord. I, I, less of me, more of you. I, I, I don't want to be caught up with that. I don't want to be drawn towards that. 
You know, I don't want to respond like that, Lord. I want to be in the pocket of being led by the Holy Spirit. There's a discomfort. It's not, it's not a, a, a simple thing. It's not an easy thing. It's an uncomfortable thing. Because when you're really hungry, there's a certain element of I'm uncomfortable. But if you'll be uncomfortable, then you'll be satisfied. Amen. So let's, let's just unpack this. What is Jesus really saying? First of all, what he's really saying is your appetite determines your experience with God. If you really want God, you really get God. But if you don't really want God, don't expect a lot from God. You get from God what you pursue from God, shallow pursuit, then shallow experience. Listen to this proverb. Proverbs 27.7. Whenever we counsel people, just know this is what every pastor, when you sit down with a pastor, and we're counseling you, this is what we're always thinking first and foremost. Okay? I shouldn't have told you that, but I'm going to just tell you anyway. Here's a clue. I'm giving this is a cheat sheet. You see this? This tells you everything. One who is full loathes honey from the comb. But to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. See, sometimes you talk to someone and they want help, but they really don't want help because they're full. So sometimes the solution has a little bit of a bitter edge to it. There's, some, there's some, some things that need to go, some things that need to change, some things that need to be surrendered to God. And you know what? When a person is full, I'm telling you right now, you may as well not talk. Do you know how many, do you know how many counseling sessions we've had with people that already know? They already know. Well, if you already know, then why are we here? God told me this. God told me that. God said, God, okay, then I'm not arguing with God. Go ahead. You see? And so a lot of times we don't realize hungry people, hungry people will do anything. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I, I, I led a kid. Well, I was part of a group that led uh, um, a number of people to Christ Early on, I was in my early 20s, and this one guy gave his heart to the Lord. He was homeless. He was like 19 years old, and we wanted to get him into a teen challenge. Couldn't do it, and I took him to Brooklyn. He lived in Manhattan. He was hooked on drugs. He was part of prostitution, all kinds of ugliness, and I told him, you see this park right here? Stay in this park. This is a safe park, good neighborhood. Sleep in the park. I'll bring you food. Sleep in the park until I could get you someplace. Why do I have to sleep in the park? Because if I let you go, you're probably going to do something crazy, right? Yup. Slept in the park. Brought him food, this and that. Got him into Teen Challenge. Got him into Teen Challenge. Had a meeting with God. Today he's a man of God, married, living for God. But he was hungry for God. This is a very deep and spiritual, powerful principle. By contrast, I remember... you. Years ago, I'm talking to someone very successful, very smart, smarter than me for sure, talking to them. They had something to say. I said, okay, let's look at what the Bible says. And when I went to open the Bible, they put their hand on the Bible and kept it shut and said to me, you, I know what's in the Bible. You don't have to tell me what's in the Bible. I said, okay. This meeting's short. 
Because if you don't want to hear about what Jesus has to say, then what can I tell you? You know, I'm just a working stiff. What do you want me to say? You know? This is so powerful that it even affected Jesus. Let me give you a real-time, very practical example. And what I want you to do is I want you to picture this in this day. This is thousands of years ago, but I want you to picture this in this day. Mark chapter 6 says this. He, everybody say Jesus. Jesus. He was not able to perform any miracles there except that he placed his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He, Jesus, was greatly surprised because the people did not have faith. Then Jesus went to villages around there teaching the people. So Jesus kind of left. Here's what this is saying. Everybody look at me. This is like, this is no joke. Here's what happened. Jesus comes to a certain place. And when he comes to a certain place, we're talking about the king of glory. We're talking about the son of the most high God. We're talking about the one with the power of life and death in his hands. We're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when he was there, they had reasons why they didn't receive from him. And he was shocked. But we have to ask ourselves when we read this, what does that mean to us? What does that mean? Is it possible that Jesus could go to a church in 2000 and what is it, 21? 2021 and not be received the way he ought to be received? Is that possible? I think it is possible. I think some churches are dead. I think some churches are asleep. Lord Jesus, save us from being dead and asleep. Somebody say amen. It's not fanatical to be in love with Jesus. There's nothing strange about being in love with Jesus. It's a good thing to love the Lord. With all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Here's a crazy thing. If you really want to make this practical, okay? And I've experienced this. If you really want to make this practical, one of the things that you need to think about is this. I've never said this before, but our church is not a baby anymore. So, a lot of what happens from up here, it falls on you. It falls on you online. A lot of what happens from up here, do you think that these people didn't rehearse? Do you think they didn't pray? Do you know sermons are not Pop-Tarts? You don't just put it in, pop up, and there it is. You have to work on a sermon. You have to pray over a sermon. You think we haven't prayed over our sermons? We do. But a lot of times, you can be prayed up, filled up ready, hungry, and you can walk and you can preach to a wall. Oh, snap, he did not say that. Oh, yes, he did. That's the truth. That's the truth. I remember my father-in-law saying to me, I went to a place and I spoke and my father-in-law said to me, Al, some topics, when you preach them, They're like putting a little torch to an iceberg. You see? But your appetite will determine your experience. I have been 
so tired, so worn out, and gotten up to speak and spoken in front of a hungry group of people, and I preached the best I've ever preached in my life. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. It's because hunger in people draws out the best of God. How many know if you're hungry, you will be satisfied? So this is a real challenge to the person who comes to church and is like this all the time. Okay? Because what you don't realize, if you don't reach towards God, if you're like, I dare you to bless me. If you're like a sermon connoisseur, some people come and they listen to sermons. Like, mm, let me see if I get this. Let me see if this is the right point. And like I've literally been, been in me. Is that an expositional point and all this kind of stuff? Right? That's the way some people listen to sermons. Don't listen like that. Say, Jesus, give me something to take home, God. I need you. I'm hungry, Jesus. There's a saying in the church, chew the meat and spit out the bones. Nobody's perfect. No one has perfect doctrine. No one has the full counsel of God. If you no one want to know why we get guest speakers, it's because no one has the full counsel of God. Why do we read spiritual books? Because no one has the full counsel of God. We need a lot of different voices. Somebody say amen. amen. But we need to understand if you want better preaching, you got to come hungry. If you want better worship, you got to come hungry. Come hungry to the worship service. Come hungry for God. A heart that's not hungry will get dull and be easily deceived. You know, to fail to live hungry... It's to miss out on who Christ really is. If they could send me one of the musicians. Here's what I'm trying to say. There's nothing drive through about Christianity. You can't just drive through. It's not like a drive, you know, hey, could I get um, the eight chicken nuggets with the, the spicy ones at Culver's? Oh, we don't have the spicy. Okay. I'll take the honey mustard and the ranch. You know I got that order down, right? <laughs> you can't customize Christianity. Look, I say this with tears. How can I answer to God for this? You can't customize Christianity. You can't say, I'm going to make a Christianity that fits me. Don't tell me how to serve God. He's God. He's the Savior. He gave his everything. He gave his everything. He shed his blood. He shed his blood for us. When was the last time you really thought about what Jesus did for you? I was reading. Two, I'm sorry. I was reading like two days ago at the end of Mark. Look at how complete the rejection of Christ was. First, he went to the religious establishment. They lied on him and they rejected him. Then he went before Pilate. Pilate did not give him justice. 
right? So the religious establishment, the government. Then he went to the soldiers, okay? The military tortured him and abused him. Then he goes to the cross, the people walking by. These are some of the same people who he healed. He did miracles. They called curses at him. And then even a criminal next to him was calling down accusations. The rejection that Jesus experienced was total. Why did he do that? It's because of how much he loves us. When he was on the cross, you, everybody say, that's me. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. You. Who did he die for? He died for you. He died for me. When you were on the cross, when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. Bible says in Corinthians, if, if he gave his everything for us, should we not give our everything to him? And yet, if we hunger after him, the Bible says he will fully satisfy. Not shallow, not cheap, not empty. Before I like make the last application point, I, I, I uh, listened to this book on the life of Tiger Woods. And I just wept at a certain point. You know, do a lot of crying lately. So... <laughs> Um, his father let him down and poor guy man I felt so bad for Tiger Wood when you really look at his upbringing he was so let down so many people have daddy issues you know this world is so broken because humanity is so broken you know, and then we shake our head when someone has everything and yet they destroy everything. Why? It's because the things that this world has to offer will not satisfy. Totally satisfied means that there's this deep um, peace and calm. You know... I just, I, I got an illustration in my head. I have one more application point, but I, I feel like I just need to say this right now. So Pastor Jake has these two cats. They're like five months old. They're little baby cats. I mean, I think he's crazy for having cats, but that's another issue. So he told me this. He said every time in the morning he runs the blender, they go berserk. They get scared, they run into other rooms, they're jumping back and forth, they're screaming and crying, they're just going nuts all over the place, right? And, but the other day, before he made his own drink, he fed them. So they were eating for a while, and right when they were just about finished eating, he ran the blender. And you know what they did? Nothing, they were like, chill. They were just, how do you know when you're full, you just go, I mean, when you're full of Jesus, the things of this world don't stress you out. The worries of this world don't stress you out. They don't make you crazy. You're just, ah, Jesus. 
That's what he wants to do for his people. He wants us to walk in this crazy city and be like, ah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We sang God is so good the other week. You know, he's so good. He's so good. So, be hungry, become happy. Be hungry, become happy. Now, I'm going to just, this is really an application, but I want to say this very quickly. Your appetite determines your experience with God. And go home and seek him, and he'll meet you. Go home and seek him, and he'll meet you. Because when you seek him with all your heart, it says you'll find him. Hallelujah. But here's the second thing that's really, I think, awesome. Your appetite determines your impact for God. Your impact for God will really determine your sense of satisfaction. In other words, being used by God, doing the will of God, will make you really, really happy. When you're really in the will of God, it almost puts like an armor on your life. And negative, think about all of the great Christians in church history who had all kinds of negativity coming at them, but because they were in the pocket of God's will. It's all good. Daniel's in the lion's den. It's all good. Three Hebrew boys in the fire. It's all good. Hey, it'll burn us. We don't care. He could deliver us from the fire. We will not bow down because we are satisfied by one king and one king only. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. So look, let me give you a, 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 a quick example. I want to talk to you about, anybody know who George Whitfield was? George Whitfield was one of the greatest um, American evangelists, revivalists in history. In his lifetime, he preached 18,000 times, addressed perhaps 10, 10 million hearers. 80% of all American colonists heard, of him, heard him preach at least once. He was considered the first American celebrity. George Whitfield, which was a preacher. He preached all of these different times, but what people don't know about George Whitfield, I read this many years ago, is that in his search for God before his con conversion, he fasted to the point that he broke his health and under doctor's orders was confined to bed for seven weeks. Now, I'm not telling you to do that. Do not do that. But here's what I am saying. This kind of crisis of like, Lord, I want you. There's something about that desperation for God. That it gives God a chance to really mold you and shape you. And then guess what happens? He starts to use you. And you start to see the supernatural explode into your life. And it's part of the different scenes of your life. And you're like, how in the world that happened? Here's why. It's because when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, his will, his kingdom, his ways, he starts to use you. And let me just say this to you. You want to be happy? Lead someone to Jesus. 
You want to be happy? Lead someone to Jesus and watch the contentment and the satisfaction go through the roof in your life. You want to be happy? Do the will of God and watch your life just explode. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the Father. Show me a person who's not hungry, I'll show you a person who's not going to be satisfied. Show me a person who's hungry, you will be satisfied. I'm going to tell you, can I just tell you, I'm, forgive me for this personal story. I have, I've, I've told part of this, but I don't know that I've told this part. When I was around 21 or 20, new in the things of God, I gave my heart to the Lord. I didn't go to church until I was about 18 years old for the first time. But I, the guy who discipled me was a police officer. He read in the New York Post. He read that there were these guys, they were drag queens, who lived in an abandoned garbage dump. And what they would do is they would sell themselves at night and then um, they would prostitute themselves at night, men dressed like women, and then they would buy crack, do crack, until, buy big bundles of crack, do crack until they were just like in an oblivion, in a stupor, sleep, and then do it all over again. So anyway, he said, we're going to go there. So about, I don't know, a dozen of us went. We took um, the um, all-powerful arroco gandules, rice and beans with us. And we took arroco gandules with us. And one of the sisters made it, and we went. And I'll never forget the first night that we went. There were, it was a garbage dump. There were rats. There were these guys. They were, they were, you know, we put the women to talk to them. We were, like, afraid of them. I was homophobic. You know, I was totally homophobic. And I was like, and we could hear them saying things about us. Um, and it was like, it was just nasty for me. Okay, so we start to feed them, and two or three things very significant happened in my life. First of all, the first night we went, the presence and the love of God came down on that moment, more powerful than any other place I've ever been. You want to talk about where God's heart is? Wherever the lowest are, wherever the hurting are, wherever the lost are, how many know the heart of Jesus is there? I fell in love with those guys. I didn't care. I was like taking them to lunch. So literally, you know, uh, um, I, you know, back in the day, drag queens didn't have TV shows. You know, now they have TV shows. So I, we would go to, we'd take them to eat and people would looking at us. So anyway, it was a couple years of that just serving. I preached my first sermon to 18 drag queens. In that group, though, there was a homeless guy. And one day, I want to say this fast. One day, we took the homeless guy. He was not a drag queen, but he was homeless, and he was, like, in a stupor, alcoholic. And um, we took him to a guy's house, and we bathed him. I literally helped. We took his clothing off. I literally helped bathe him. And then we sat him in a chair. When we sat him in the chair, somebody there cut hair. They cut his hair. Somebody trimmed his nails and all that and 
Um, and I looked at his feet, and one of the guys said to me, um, man, his, look at his toenails. You know, somebody's got to deal with that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it looks like you. No, no, he said, no, no I didn't say that. <laughs> so anyway, he handed me the clippers, and I, I got on my knees. And um, the gunk in his feet was so nasty that I couldn't clip it. I had to clean his toes. So I cleaned his toes. I clipped his toenails. And I was like borderline traumatized while I was doing it. I didn't even know what was going on. It was like out-of-body experience. But here's what happened. Here's what happened. So we take him... And somebody went and got about, another, I don't know, seven or eight of the drag queens. And we're going to take them bowling. So it was a couple of cars. And when we got into one of the cars, one of the guy had a station wagon. And there was no more room. And I was, you know, the young guy was 22. So I just jumped in the back of the station wagon. Okay, I remember this like yesterday. So I jumped in the back of the station wagon. And I'm just thinking, I'm a baby Christian, thinking about what happened and all that. And I was just sitting there and I, I felt one of the deepest moments of God's pleasure and peace that I can't even describe it to you. Like it's almost, one of the reasons I don't like talking about this because it almost cheapens the moment. But I was like, you know what? There's nothing better than serving people. You ever, listen, hold on a second. You ever think about, we have a, one of our, Amanda, she's a nurse. She loves being a nurse. I'm like, how do you love being a nurse? All that blood, all of the mess, all of the difficulty. She loves being a nurse. How could somebody love being a nurse? I have no idea. But you know why? There's something of the world about serving other people. Part of doing God's will means that you will serve other people. And when you do, you will be satisfied in ways that will absolutely blow your mind. Hallelujah. How many of you know nobody can satisfy you like Jesus?